We did teasers yesterday. Uh, email readout time from you, our loyal correspondents. Let's go. Hit me. So we got this great one from Isabella recently. Isabella said she was stuck at the airport and bored, so decided to email in. Great call. <laughs> <laughs> we encourage you to brilliant, do this. Yeah. Brilliant words to live by. So she went all the way back to our episode where we talked about how New Zealand makers of feta can't call it feta anymore as a consequence of a free trade agreement with um, the European Union. And uh, Isabella said, uh, this is quite a goodie, we should call it feta with a WH spelling at the beginning, feta. Oh, like Fanare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. It's a good shout. Good shout from uh, Isabella. Neil also got in touch, though, after a different listener said their favourite thing about New Zealand was dairies. Uh And Neil said, what? (laughs) Because Neil hates dairies. And so instead suggested other things like beaches, scenery, fantastic coffee, the Beths. Good shout. And this one sounds like I've made this up, but Neil word for word wrote staff podcasts. Nice. And a boy, Neil. I like that. We do read the emails that you send us at newsableadstuff.co.nz. Uh, and speaking of Newsable, it's probably time to kick on with the show. So kia ora. Welcome to Newsable. I'm Emil. And I'm Imogen. And this is what's worth talking about. The FIFA World Cup is turning out to be an absolute humdinger. And we've only just finished the group stage. We look ahead to some heavyweight showdowns in the round of 16. We also learn about a new illicit substance called monkey dust, which is wreaking some serious havoc in the UK and the US. Then for a bit of sunlight, we shoot across the Tasman to hear about the amazing work that's gone into building a bespoke hospital for platypuses. Platypi? And as always, we're making you smarter, not only with the correct plural for platypus, (laughs) but also with Fun Fact Friday. We've got all that coming up in a moment here on Newsbook. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. Well, we now know the final 16 teams battling it out for the FIFA Women's World Cup title. And there's still a big weekend ahead with plenty of action. So here to talk us through it is former football fern Anna Green. Welcome back to the pod. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Did all the teams you expected to go through make it through, Anna? Absolutely not. This tournament has been so, so, so <laughs> wild. I can't I can't even believe some of the teams that haven't made it through, particularly um, Brazil was such a bolter. So, yeah, no, it's been um, full of surprises, definitely. Canada as well. Canada not getting through. Canada reigning Olympic champions. Like, this is such a wild tournament, and I love to see it. This is why I love the most about sport is that it's so unpredictable. And any big hitters in danger of crashing out in this next stage? Yes, <laughs> I think the USA. Completely. <gasps> so, Radian World Cup champions, I think they've had such a rough run so far. Scraped mm. into the last 16, saved by the post in the 91st minute. So I think um, them coming up against Sweden is going to be probably the pick of the matches in the next round. There were some wild results in that uh, last round of group matches, particularly the Japan-Spain match where Japan absolutely decimated Spain and then Australia smashing Canada as well. What's behind these, do you do you think? One of the notable things is that the winning team had very little possession, counter-attacking football being a big thing in this tournament. Yeah, I think the Spain and Japan game was really interesting. I think most people wouldn't have picked that result going into it. I think... Um, 
was that with their first three goals, they'd had three shots, three goals, and Spain had had a crazy amount of possession. So I think that's a real interesting matchup in terms of the styles of play for those teams. So I think Japan would have been comfortable not having the ball. Like in club land, particularly there, they have um, lots of their teams play possession-based football. So they'd be used to coming up against teams that are comfortable on the ball, trying to get teams on the counter, and they're really intelligent footballers. So to be able to be so clinical, I think, just shows the quality of their players. And I think Spain were just a bit shell-shocked, really. The round of 16 is happening over four days, but if people can watch only one match, what one should it be? There are so many good matchups. I think. One match, Anna. Okay, well, can I give you two? Because <laughs> I can't commit to anything. <laughs> Sweden, US. That's on yeah. Sunday at 9 o'clock. I think that's going to be a ripper of a game. But then also I think Australia and Denmark on Monday. I think we've got to like really rally behind the co-hosts and um, mm. I'm super intrigued to see how they go, particularly if they've got Sam Kerr back. And uh, when we asked you this before, you said your pick for the winner of this tournament was either the USA or Germany. The USA in particular have had a pretty underwhelming tournament thus far. Are you sticking to those two selections for your overall winner? No, I'm 100% not sticking with USA after the last week <laughs> on this game. Absolutely not. Okay. This is going to be so fickle because I'm going to like go to Japan as the front runners at the minute. I think Japan are the team in form and the way that they um, disposed of Spain, I think, makes them a real formidable opponent. So at the minute, they're my front runners, but um, my picks have been so terrible so far. So maybe we can check back in with us later on. We might not get you back on the pod, actually, to be perfectly <laughs> He's honest. <not> reliable. <laughs> She's not reliable. <laughs> Former football fern and Sky Sport host Anna Green, thank you so much for your time. Don't forget, you can still watch the rest of the tournament live on Sky or stream on Sky Sport now. And Stuff has a dedicated tournament hub online. We'll be live streaming games. And, of course, there's all the on and off action drama there as well. How good. Remember, if you want to get in touch, you can find us on TikTok or Insta. Search for Newsable NZ. And if you also have a really long story you want to share with us, why don't you send us an email? Newsable at stuff.co.nz. We are going to talk now about a drug a drug that's causing a lot of problems overseas. Uh, in fact, in the UK, it appears to have taken over an entire city. Uh, Vice reports Stoke-on-Trent, that is, in the UK. That's where my friend Tony's from, actually. And apparently it is uh, the drug's global capital. It's called Monkey Dust, which is kind of a cool name. Yeah, it sounds fun and then you look into it and it's not. <laughs> exactly. It sounds fun, but it ain't. Uh, it's also known as MP. DV. It's already been banned in the US and UK officials have actually asked drug experts to review it because there have been calls for it to be reclassified from class B to class A. So, Emmo, uh, uh, tell us about this. What is monkey dust? So I knew nothing about this until like a few hours ago and neither of us did, right? We both were like, what is monkey dust? So this is mm-hmm. all brand new information to my brain. It's a cheap white powder. It also comes as crystals or press pills and it's made from synthetic cathinones and it has a similar effect as cocaine and amphetamines and according to the New Zealand Drug Foundation it can be missold as MDMA and because it requires a far lower dose there's that really high risk of overdosing. According to reports monkey dust turns users into super strength zombies. Police in the UK have reportedly described trying to arrest people on it as like wrestling the Incredible Hulk. Uh, 
There's reports <laughs> people have tried to eat glass while they've taken it. What is agreed upon, though, is that monkey dust causes hallucinations and involuntary body movements. Okay, so how has this become such a big problem in some places around the world? Well, part of the issue is it's really, really cheap. Mm-hmm. According to a user who spoke to the BBC, a hit, in inverted commas, uh, can be sold for like two quid. So it's four bucks, way cheaper than buying mm. alcohol or trying to get your hands on anything else, right? And as you can imagine, it's really, really addictive. That person who spoke to the BBC has been using it for five years and described the addiction as soul-destroying and that taking it is like dancing with the devil. Okay, so this has all been sort of overseas, UK, US kind of stuff. But do we know whether it's here in, in Aotearoa? I had a chat with the guys from the New Zealand Drug Foundation about what we know about monkey dust here. They told me it's relatively rare, but it did show up in a drug checking clinic as early as 2018. And then they also pointed out that monkey dust is in that same category as bath salts, which Mm. we do know over the past few years here in Aotearoa have been being added or being sold as MDMA. So the recommendation get stuff tested. Hey, we're still going to talk about the Platypus Hospital in just a second, but if you are enjoying what you're hearing, chuck us a like and a follow on your favourite podcast platform. It really helps other people to find us too. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week, we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture, and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So, for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. There's fears, droughts and extremely dry conditions in New South Wales over the coming summers could have a severe impact on the state's platypus population. So how do you proactively make sure those cute little creatures are safe and cared for no matter the climate? Well, you build a platypus hospital. Yeah, it sounds like something Imogen's dreams are made of, but uh, this also has the potential to be a genuine game changer for the Aussie animal. The facility will open later this year at Taronga Western Plains Zoo near Dubbo. Uh, That's inland from Sydney for those unfamiliar with Australian geography, such as myself. So joining us now to tell us all about this is the zoo's wildlife conservation officer, Phoebe Ma. Phoebe, welcome to Newsable. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Phoebe, this uh, dedicated hospital is preemptive. So, t- tell us about platypus numbers. Are they dropping? Why is the need for this ho- hospital? Yeah, so sadly, we've seen about a 40% decline in platypus numbers since records began and also a range reduction. So, in lots of areas where we used to see platypus or records used to be, we're no longer seeing them when we do population surveys. And the really scary thing is when we put climate modelling into it and we make predictions, 50% further loss over the next six years unless we do something about it. Phoebe, this sounds like a a bit of an obvious question, but can you tell us what droughts and extremely dry conditions mean for a little platypus? 
they pretty much spend most of their time in the water. So they do have a component of their life cycle, which involves going into burrows. They use this for laying their eggs because, yes, crazily, this mammal lays eggs. But most of the time they do all their foraging, they do all their mating and courtship behaviours in the water. So without the water, which is what happens to us here, you know, these platypus essentially don't have a home. And what happened in the 2019-2020 um, sort of bushfire drought was that these poor platypus had nowhere left to live. So they were then trying to walk through the bush to find no. refuge and were getting burnt by the bushfires. Oh. So the poor platypus has just got no hope at the moment. Phoebe, I'm, I'm trying to imagine in my mind's eye what a Platypus Hospital looks like and um, what I've got so far is something kind of like Grey's Anatomy, uh, lots of stethoscopes, beeping machines, uh, a smouldering Patrick Dempsey sweeping through the corridors. Am I pretty close to it? Um, no. We try and make it as comfortable as possible. How do we make the platypus feel like they're at home in their natural environment but also how do we allow you know, the keepers to be able to keep it clean and hygienic and also the vets to come and check on them on a regular basis? We provide things like waterfalls and, you know, different um, water temperatures and climate-controlled areas. Each platypus has their own sort of 10,000-litre stream of water. So we've really gone all out for these platypus because that's what they require. So do you imagine this will be temporary or is this the future of platypus care in New South Wales? There's actually multiple components of this facility. So it is going to be the largest conservation centre for platypus in Australia. And this is because we have a temporary holding refuge. So this can hold up to 65 platypus in drought or bushfire or flood or whatever need be. And then we will return them back to the wild. We also have a research facility, which is separate, where we will monitor platypus all the time and we're going to try and crack the code of breeding. Phoebe Ma from Taronga Western Plains Zoo, thank you so, so much for your time and that wonderful chat. Free fun facts. Oh, yes, I love it when I get to the problem. I know. And on Fun Fact Friday as well, um. a baby platypus is called a puggle. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Sounds like a slur from the Harry Potter universe. Another free fun fact. Oh my gosh, we're just doubling them out. Well, I mean, you already knew this one, but we'll just tell the people this because um, this interview, proving for this interview, caused a huge rift in the mm. newsable team. Uh, we were arguing over what the plural form of platypus is. We had team platypuses and we had team platypi. But as it turns out... Oh, here we go. Well, it is platypuses. That, that's the co- the commonly used one. But in fact, the uh, etymologically correct plural form of platypus will be platypodes uh, because it's a word of Greek origin. I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on what, rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about that got to journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack line no, there. That, that, I think that... It would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, that, yeah we're, I'm not worried about it at all. Actually, Nothing if in there. That sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts. I almost wish I'd saved my puggle fact for this part. It's a great fact. Yeah, it was. Eh? And echidnas as well. Baby echidna, also called a puggle. Did you ever play Neopets? Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever do poogle racing? <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. That got me... Um, that, that got me addicted to and then rehabilitated from gambling. What a 
question. Puggle just reminded me of Poogles, you know. Did not expect to be asked in 2023. That introduction brings us to our favourite time of the week, Fun Fact Friday. Very exciting. I'm on a bit of a tear here, eh? <sighs> I don't care. Yeah, I almost just want to get this one out of the way. You don't want to linger and... I feel like I've lost my Fun Fact Friday pizzazz. I need to, I need to go eat, pray, love somewhere. <laughs> and... I've lost the plot. Okay. The first ever email was sent by computer engineer Ray Tomlinson in 1971 to himself. Oh, lovely. The first ever email was Ray sending it to Ray. And he didn't quite remember what it was, as I'm led to believe, but he says he says something like, I think it was Q-W-E-R-T-Y-U-I-O-P, which is just the first row at the just top of the keyboard. <laughs> so just wham, bam. And the computer was also next to the other computer. So not only did Ray email Ray, Ray emailed Ray to Ray on a computer next to other computer. I hope he then sent himself an email back saying, you could have just given me a phone call. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm right next to you, mate. <laughs> Can we take this offline? <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> Lovely. That's a good. There's a good fact. I like that. 1971. Yeah. Gee, 1971. That's Ray like, to Ray. It's a long time ago, isn't it? Have you ever been to Sydney, Imogen? Yes. Don't know why I need to question it. Definitely did last year. Are you familiar in that case with the Anzac Bridge, the one that's not the Sydney Harbour Bridge, the other, the other big bridge? No, sorry. Okay. Whereas well, this magnificent bridge across Johnston's Bay, it was completed in 1995. Um, I briefly lived in the shadow of it, actually, in Glebe in 2011, but that's another story. This bridge, as you might infer from the name, mm. commemorates the Anzac soldiers. And as such, there are two beautiful big bronze sculptures that adorn the bridge. One of them is of a New Zealand soldier and one of them is of an Australian soldier. And they're both spectacular pieces of art. They're both huge. They're over four metres tall. But... Mm. The New Zealand soldier is two inches taller than the Australian soldier. Do you know why? Because the sculptor was a Kiwi. <laughs> no way. True story. Two things there that I love. Uh, the fact that men get so caught up about height. Height. I know, right? Yeah. It's like... Second thing is the pettiness between Aussies and Kiwis. Pettiness, but also fraternal pettiness, you know. It's lovely. Mm. I find mm. it quite endearing, mm. really. Yeah. That is good. But vote for your favourite fun fact on Instagram. Our account is newsable NZ. We're going to chuck a poll up uh, today, and we will reveal the results on Monday also on the Instagram. But that is Newsable for today. I'm Emil Donovan. And I'm Imogen Wells. Make sure you keep an ear out for tomorrow's episode on Saturday. We're talking to the Gelato King, Giapo, for ice cream fans, or gelato fans, in Auckland. He has teamed up with none other than Shia. Do you believe That is a real sentence and it's a real thing. So we're going to talk to him about how on earth this wonderful thing even got started. So, like I said, keep an ear out. This pod took time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support.